So this Transfiguration Sunday might be typical for us to read the standard gospel text that involves um, glowing prophets and a glowing Jesus and Peter's insistence on making tents. But Jules, you and I decided that we wanted to go a different route. And we've chosen to read from the book of 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. This is the Hebrew Bible text uh, from the lectionary. And this story definitely has some connections to transfiguration. We'll no doubt talk about those. But first, let's hear, let's hear the word from 2 Kings. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets were in Bethel, came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. And he responded, you have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended into, in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped at his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. When the company of prophets who were at Jericho saw him at a distance, they declared, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed to the, to the ground before him. Hear what the Spirit is saying through the scriptures. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Ooh, there's a lot in that story. What a story. What, what a, story. a story. Well, we Where should we start, Jules? Well, we've had the practice of just 
drawing attention to something in the text that jumps out at us. And I'm with a text that moves this far and this fast and has so many interesting moments in it. I, I think we could pick almost anything, but I, I really do wonder what it is as we head into Lent that grasps you first. Well, I have a tendency to cheat and choose two things. And so I'm gonna do that again this week. Uh, first of all, it's the framing of the story itself. This is masterful storytelling. Mm. And uh, it begins with basically saying to the first hearers of the story, you already know what happens. You know the conclusion of this story. This is what happened leading up to when Elijah was taken up. So they probably heard this, they know, but the storyteller in this case is working on some particular framing. And then as you look through the story, there's this repetition that's really obvious. Three times it's repeated. They go to a place, these two prophets, these, these partners, this mentor and mentee go together to a particular location and Elisha is told to stay behind. And he says, no way, I'm coming with you. And they go. And then these prophets come out. And they say, do you know what's going to happen? And Elisha says again, over and over, yes, I know, I know. But shh, don't say anything. Be quiet. Just watch. Almost as if saying, just watch. And if we pay attention as well, each one of these locations that they go to is a reminder of the greater story of Israel, the great events of things that have happened in the life of the nation of Israel. Uh, Bethel is an, an important place. We know the, the old song, Joshaphat, the Battle of Jericho. So Jericho becomes this important marker. And of course, the Jordan River, which the, the Israelites had crossed. So again, the author is alluding throughout this text to something more, to something bigger and and like really pointing this out to the hearers and to the readers of this particular story. And so the, the framing of it all uh, is, is beautiful to me. And I noticed that right away. The other thing that sticks out is that this is clearly a story about transition. It's a story about the transition of, um, of prof prophecy, of being a prophet. And, and this is a part of a greater story tradition of the mantle of being a prophet being handed down. Moses hands down the mantle next, right? And continues to, it continues to be handed down. And this is a story of transition as well from one main prophet to the next. And then this continues all the way up until um, John the Baptist and that being handed over to Jesus. And ultimately, the transition after the resurrection is to all of us, is to, uh, to the church, to believers, to the rest of humanity, to take on that mantle. So that, that sticks out as well, that transition is a part of this greater story. It's always a part of the greater story. And it's just a matter of how we are going to live into that transition. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And I, I, it points toward continuation. It points toward not only the framing piece that you drew 
uh, attention to, but also the piece about transition point toward the idea that God has set in motion something that we can participate in, but we have a part of that we have a part in, but it's everything has something that comes before and something that follows. And Mm -hmm. I find a lot of hope in that. And I find a lot of comfort in that actually, because as you described it, Elisha says, Oh, I know, I know, but he doesn't really know what's going Mm -hmm. to happen. He doesn't really know, but he feels a little confident. He maybe a little overly confident. And then he discovers, Oh, there's, you know, there's still things here that I need to learn. Um, And, Mm. and that's because we can't always know everything. The people before us didn't know everything. The people after us will know a little more maybe, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's all a part of the larger story and it's not about the individuals. And that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost, uh, it's almost like Elisha is saying, yeah, I know, I know. I don't know all the details. So that's why I need you to be quiet. I need you to not talk about it and, and just let it unfold. I I mentioned in our conversation before we started recording that, um, that that's such a human tendency that we want to anticipate and we want to, we want to question so we can figure out the story. Both of us talked about movie experiences. I won't talk about yours, but I, I remember when Amy and, uh, and I were on a date to go see the movie Saving Private Ryan, which is a very serious, it's a war movie. It's, um, it, it, it's gruesome in parts. And there was a, a, a dad who'd brought his child who was clearly too young to be at this particular movie. It wasn't the best parental choice. Kid was probably eight or nine. And throughout the movie in the serious parts, this, this child would keep asking questions and keep commenting and not modulating their voice for a movie theater. And the dad <laughs> would like, like kept saying, Shh, like basically get quiet, quiet, just keep watching. Eventually the people around were like, can you shut your kid up? This is a serious movie and he's wrecking it, right? But that's, that's a tendency that we have to wanna know the whole of the story and wanna talk about it and figure it out. And it's almost like there are times when we need to just let the story unfold, keep paying attention, keep watching, let it unfold. I, this is the reminder to me of the, the transfiguration story. And um, this is the story of when Jesus goes up in the mountain and he takes Peter with him. And uh, in, in this moment of um, glorifying, Jesus turns white and there's lights and Elijah and Moses show up and they're all glowing and in white. And Peter's response, because he doesn't know what to say, is like, let's make some tents. Let's, let's make little houses for everybody. And Jesus basically has to say to him, hey, 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 no, no, we're not going to do that. Not only are we not going to build houses, but you need to be, don't say anything about this and keep paying attention because the fullness of this isn't going to be revealed till later. Yeah. If you keep build a memorial attention. now, you'll be building a memorial to the wrong thing. Exactly. That's exactly right. And it's, and, and here, uh, uh, Elijah says to Elisha, I-, I can't give you the double portion of my spirit. What I can tell you is don't take your eyes off what's going to happen. If you keep paying attention, what will be revealed will be 
a portion. It will be a blessing. It will be empowering. But you have to pay attention all the way through. And, and Jesus saying this to Peter, he's telling him, this is going to be, you have to keep paying attention. He literally tells them to wake up and they can't stay awake. Yeah. yeah. Keep your eyes on what's going to happen, even when it gets ugly. And as we know, and we're, this is, we're moving into the season of Lent. This is the journey toward the cross. And you have to go through the cross. You have to see that before we get to the part of the story that I always love, of course, the resurrection piece. So. But before then, there is this piece, and this is what struck me, this moment when Elisha says, let me have double, let me have the inheritance of a son. Let me have the double portion of your spirit. And Elijah responds, this is a really hard thing. Uh, if you, if you can just basically keep my, your eyes on me as I go and not lose focus on me, then this will be granted. But if you can't keep your eyes on me to the end, you won't receive the fullness of that. And that feels mysterious to me because it feels a little bit like one of those, you know, just Hebrew Bible story tricks where it's like, you either do this or you don't, whoops, you kind of lost out on your blessing because you were the first son and you got tricked, you tricked the dad and you had second son and all of the things that we're familiar with the pattern, right, right? right? Instead though, it, this time around, because of some of the reflections you've made and because of, I think how Elisha asks, asks for that portion instead of demands it is to say, to, I'm reminded of what happens with Peter and I'm reminded of what happens at the end for Jesus which is Peter walks away and he doesn't watch to the end. He goes and he escapes and hides and lies and avoids. And it's Mm -hmm. because he doesn't want to feel the pain. It's because he's avoiding the terror and the violence. As an an Enneagram seven, as an Enneagram seven, I relate. Yeah. I totally get that. He doesn't yeah. want to watch his friend be killed. And I understand mm-hmm. why, but it means he doesn't get to watch the full story and he pays for it later. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm reminded of the alternative group of people, the women in the story who don't fall asleep, who continue to walk with Jesus, in, in, including famously while he's carrying the cross, helping him, encouraging him, mopping his brow. Um, and then they stand and they watch him die. And they, they stand at the bottom of the cross. They witness this. They refuse to take their eyes away from what is happening, from the suffering, from the pain of their friend and from, of their brother and of their, their son. And because of that, in some ways, they then get to witness the resurrection. Mm-hmm. They are the ones who see the resurrection. The men who ran don't get to see it. And they have to tell the story to the men and say, and then the men don't even believe them, of course, ironically. But it's like the, the people who take their eyes off of their leader or off of the transition because they can't handle the grief are the ones who miss out on the resurrection power leader and the ones who have to catch up because they missed out. They didn't process through it the way that you're intended to in all of these transitions. And that, man, if we could take Elisha's modeling and the women at the cross's modeling instead of the other modeling we're given when it comes to facing hard things and making hard transitions, 
I think we'd be so much more faithful. And that is a good word to me because I want to take my eyes off that stuff too. Yeah. I don't well, want to stick around. Transition um, of all transition of all sort, especially when it means someone it involves loss is always painful. And we want to just skip ahead. Um, when, when we lose someone, when I'll even say, and this is not akin to that, but, but transitioning, like I'm transitioning out of pastoral leadership in our church. And you and I have both heard people say, essentially, right away, I know somebody. I know somebody else who can come and take that place. Almost like, oh, that's, that's too bad. That's too bad. I don't want to think about and grieve the loss of somebody. Let's already look ahead to the other opportunity. Yeah. And we read in this story that Elisha has to see all the way through. And before he picks up the mantle and moves toward the continuation of the story, essentially, he tears his clothes, which is a sign of extreme grief. He has to grieve the loss of this thing before the story continues. And the hope of the continuation of this prophetic word can, yeah. can come to, to fruition in, in himself. And this, um, this reminds me of something that you, you and I have talked about this so many times, the difference between the two of us uh, in personality wise, it's just how we're shaped. I am one who never wants to talk about or consider death. I just want to talk about life and light and hope. And it's why I don't like Good Friday. I just want to go to Easter. Let's go. And you are one um, who is more prone to say, hey, don't forget this part. That, the, that all things, the entire cycle of life is death and resurrection. All of it. Transition and death and resurrection is a part of the entirety of the human story. It's a cycle that repeats itself over and over again, and we can't stop the cycle. Um, instead, we find, all we can do is find our place in that and respond to it in ways that are hopefully um, meaningful and life-giving, and, um, uh, and we don't stay in the spot of grief. We, we carry on and we carry on the story. And that's the, the thing about this story, um, is that it, it's an indicator there's more to come. Yeah, God still has more. God is going to continue to do this work. I think that's why it's so important to recognize that this story repeats itself over and over again throughout all of the texts, that it's a mirror text to all of the ones we've already referenced and more, that there's this repetitive nature to God's story that is not, it's not just copy and paste there's always movement. It's like, it's a spiral more than it is a circle. There's always shifting. There's always changing. There's always learning as we go. And every, if we skip the steps inside that spiral, then we don't get to have the learning that we needed from the last experiences that we've had. Mm -hmm. And so it is figuring out what moment, what this moment means for us and like allowing it whatever the transition is, right? It could be work transition as, as you were talking about, or it could be a, an identity shift, or it could mm. be a shift of uh, relationship. It could be a shift of self-understanding inside work for justice. It could be anything, 
but the world is made of change. And if we don't let that process happen and we fight back against it, or we don't do what Elijah, Elisha did and say, I'm going to grieve and then I'm going to do what I was called to do. And I know exactly what my role is in this moment. We'll have missed the opportunity. You, you quoted a beautiful movie, Dead Poets Society, yeah. uh, earlier yeah, today. And I think that the quote from that movie is so powerful in this way. It really calls to me. Do you want to say what it is? Yeah. So uh, in, this, in this particular scene, um, uh, Mr. Keating, the teacher, has all of the, the boys in his class. And he says to quote from Whitman, O me, O life, of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, what good among these, O me, O life? Answer that you are here, that life exists, and identity, that the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. And then he asks the boys, what will your verse Who moved? What will your verse be? And the reason that moves me is it just stares in the face of existential dread and fear and hopelessness and nihilism and says, no, 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 no. That's not the story. The story is not that, it's that you get to contribute. And yes, there will be little deaths along the way, but there's always resurrection hope. That's the reality of, of the story from, uh, from Second Kings. It's the reality of the story of the transfiguration and where we will eventually go, the story of, of Good Friday and Easter. It's the story of humanity. And that's what we're called to lean into. And to me, that's ultimately, I get emotional because that's good news. It is good news. It's really good news because even as we're facing hard things, we, we know, and we know hard things will always come, mm -hmm. but we know that there is a way through and that that way through is so often better than what we've experienced in the past, right? Yeah. And that's, I think, yeah. the, the salvation story in a nutshell, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that, that quote from that play because I hadn't remembered it. Well, do you wanna ask questions of our folks and see uh, what their reflections are back to us about this time we spent with Second Kings and all these two prophets? Yeah, the questions. I guess I'll start with this question. Um, in this powerful play that is life, that is humanity, what do you make of your verse? What is your verse? Talk about your verse, how you see uh, the author of all life writing your verse and your participation in that. Um, so that'd be the first question. And the second is, whose mantle have you found yourself having to pick up and carry? And think about how, how frightful was that to do at first? And who are, who are you preparing to carry on with the good work of God's kingdom after you? Who are you preparing to take your place in the story and to pick up that mantle and dip it in the water and walk across the waters and continue that work? Who are you being intentional about in that? Jules, if it's all right, um, you put this Jan Richardson poem here. I'm wondering if you would be so good as to read that perhaps as um, 
yeah. a form of prayer and then I can I can sing our benediction. Would that be an all right way to close this week? I'd be happy to read this. This is a poem, a blessing poem from the uh, inimitable Jan Richardson and it is called The Blessing of Elijah. So let's use this poem as our prayer this, uh, this morning as we end. Make no mistake, this blessing that comes like hands laid upon your head, a mantle draped across your shoulders, you do not bear it alone. Think of it as lineage, as litany, an ancient legacy entwining you among the strands that weave through generations and centuries that spiral with the enduring and determined grace of the story that has seized you and the one who has claimed and called you. Take heart that this blessing comes to you singed and scorched, signed by the blazing of wonders you can barely imagine and by trials that have already tested you or you would not have found your way this far. Lay it down and it will be a path for you across terrain you never imagined daring to cross. Take it up and know the presence of those who have passed this on to you, who encompass you, who enfold you, who go with you and release you into the keeping of the road that is your own and the one who has called your name. Amen. 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 Actually, Jules, it's your turn to sing the benediction oh, this week. Today. So would you be so good as to sing as our I way of closing? Will. Let's hear these words of benediction, friends. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious, gracious gracious to you. The Lord lift up God's countenance upon you and give you, give you, give you peace. Stay home in peace, stay safe. Be at peace. Hope to see you on Ash Wednesday and be blessed as we enter into this season of Lent. Man.